Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 6, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. May the 6th be with you. (laughs) That's right, right? This episode looks at some of the initial reaction to the leaked draft U.S. Supreme Court opinion that would overturn the landmark Roe v. Wade decision in 50-plus years of legal precedent. We look at two big bills that move forward this week in the Statehouse, dealing with police reform and transgender student-athletes, and the premature death of the medical marijuana bill. And we have a quick update on the governor's health, which counts as our medical section today, since we won't have one in this pod. Our regrets. We do have new unemployment data for you in business, as well as comments from Federal Reserve Bank Chairman Jerome Powell, following another interest rate increase. I didn't do it. It's not my fault. But most importantly, we want to hear from y'all. That's why we have a voicemail box set up to hear from you about your life during these more certain times, though everything's life is uncertain. That's why we have a voicemail box so you can call and tell us what's going on in your life at 803-563-7169. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail with your name, where you're calling from, and your deepest questions of the universe. We'll answer them in the wind down. 803-563-7169. No question will be turned away, except at our discretion. <laughs> Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. From April 23rd to April 30th, there were 3,044 COVID-19 cases and 8 deaths. That is up 970 cases from the week before and up 6 deaths. Right now, there are 129 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 16 are in intensive care, and 5 are on ventilators. Hospitalizations and ICU patients are up week over week. Those on ventilators has remained steady. Currently, 54.6% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated as of April 30th. Now, before we talk about national issues, let's get to the local issues, folks. That's why you listen to this podcast. That's what we're here for. Local farm-to-table news, or in this case, statehouse-to-podcast. That's right, folks. That's right. We are catching you up on some of the big news that happened in the second-to-last week of the two-year legislative session. All the cards are coming due. All the chips are getting laid on the table. All the marbles are there in a jar somewhere. And we, we guess how many marbles are in them. <laughs> it's all in the Constitution. Uh, but really, being serious here, the big blow this week was the death of Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis's medical marijuana bill over a point-of-order ruling in the House before debate even really got underway on the bill that's been seven years in the making and made it the farthest it's ever been in that time. You've heard us talk about it over and over. We've been talking about it ever since this podcast was created. Now, I wasn't in the House chamber at the time that Speaker Pro Tem Tommy Pope, who was acting Speaker at the time, ruled in favor of Representative John McCravey's point of order that the bill was out of order because it raised revenue. Thus, it should have originated in the House, not the Senate. The ruling took out the bill even before McCravey could get onto the 1,000 amendments he filed against it. The state's Mayon Schechter said the chamber and lobby was eerily quiet and incredibly tense. Though defeated, Davis kept his cool and spoke with reporters. 
Disappointment. Um, you know, the whip count on the boat showed about 70 or four and about 40 against. I think it would have prevailed if it had gone for up or down vote. Um, I don't agree with the ruling of the chair. Um, he ruled that it was a revenue raising bill. If you look at state Supreme Court precedent, if the primary purpose of the bill is something else, and if there is a revenue raising piece that's ancillary to it, it's not a revenue raising bill. And in this case, the bill clearly is about establishing a medical cannabis program. Um, and the revenue raising piece uh, in connection with it was to fund the medical cannabis fund to administer the program. It's clearly ancillary to the primary purpose of the bill. Um, I don't think the ruling of the chair was correct. Um, but the House has the rules and the process played itself out. Um, I need to figure out if there's another vehicle. We still have uh, four days left in the session. Uh, lots of bills on the calendar, some involving pharmacies and medical affairs and, and things of that nature. And so um, I think there's an opportunity and I'll explore what they are. Davis said he consulted with the Senate clerk and staff to ensure that his bill didn't run afoul with Article 3, Section 15 of the Constitution, as we mentioned earlier. As for any retaliation against the House and their bills, Davis said that's not his style. But let's jump over to the Senate. There wasn't much of a fight against the trans student-athlete ban bill, even as opponents filled the gallery on the first day of the debate. The bill, which Senate leadership fast-tracked, passed 30 to 10, largely along party lines. The bill prohibits transgender women from playing on sports teams that don't correspond to the sex they were assigned at birth. Columbia Democratic Senator Dick Harpoolian managed to illustrate his utter frustration with the current University of South Carolina Board of Trustees and the need for reforms in his argument against the trans bill. This is something to listen to. What if you were the average South Carolina kid who's studying hard, who's getting the best grades they can get, whose SAT scores aren't great but ought to get you into college, and then you get turned down by the University of South Carolina? Why? Let me quote to you from Dr. Eddie Floyd, member of the South Carolina Board of Trustees. He says that what he does is when he gets a call, we got a really good lawyer in Florence. His daddy was a KA with me at the university. He called me and said, my son's been turned down for law school. The kid's really smart. So I called the dean of the law school. I got a call back from the dean. He said, I made a big mistake, Dr. Floyd. He's in law school now. And I said, well, do you do that often? Oh, we do it all the time. He said, um, I asked him, even if they objectively couldn't get in, you use your influence to get them in. Even though their SAT scores and rankings in their high school didn't qualify them, if you felt they should get in, they should get in, correct? Yes. So if that little girl who practices every day won't have a fair chance to compete and win, why should we allow the University of South Carolina Board of Trustees to do this? Who you know from a good family, he says. Senator from Charleston, are you from a good family? Are you going to get Dr. Floyd to help your kid get into USC? I don't think so. So if we're going to be sensitive about kids that work hard to get ahead in this world, then we ought to be sensitive to all kids. And we're going to be able to deal with the second situation, hopefully, as aggressively as we've dealt with this. Thank you. Now this bill, which is soon to become a law, is applicable for teams from middle school through college. And like I said, will soon reach the governor's desk for his signature. 
but expects soon after a lawsuit like those that have been filed against other states that have passed similar laws. Another bill that is close to becoming law as well came after a unanimous vote in the Senate this week. H3050 will create mandatory minimum policy standards for police departments across the state for things like hiring and firing to when an officer should intervene in the actions of another officer and the use of no-knock warrants. Fines will be levied against law enforcement agencies that refuse to comply with the standards that will be created by the Law Enforcement Training Council. Now, a lot of this will apply to smaller departments because bigger departments and big cities already have a lot of these rules on the books. The bill will also require non-certified officers to be accompanied by a certified officer while on duty. And the bill also limits the use of chokeholds to life or death situations. Now, I know I told you in the beginning that we're obviously a big state podcast. You guys know that. That's why you love us. But we need to zoom out to the big news of this week. And that was Politico's bombshell report of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito's draft majority opinion that would strike down the landmark 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. Alito wrote in part, quote, We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The leak of the draft opinion, which was expected to be published by the court this summer, was a rare breach for the high court and prompted outrage from conservatives. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer took to the well the day after the report was published to air his concerns over what will be a loss of rights for millions of American women and could lead to other settled cases being overturned. This is a dark and disturbing morning for America. Last night, a report disclosed that a conservative majority of the United States Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade and uproot decades of precedent affirming a woman's right to an abortion. If this report is accurate, the Supreme Court is poised to inflict the greatest restriction of rights in the past 50 years, not just on women, but on all Americans. Under this decision, our children will have less rights than their parents. Now, I would have included some audio from a state lawmaker or so, but I didn't really hear any this week in Columbia, so we went with Schumer, if you all are wondering why. But we did hear from several Republicans on this decision, including Governor Henry McMaster, who told reporters he supports a full abortion ban in the state without any exception for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. Take a listen. The more we can protect life in South Carolina, the better it will be for everybody involved. But we, we have laws, as you know, that we pass that are a lot better than uh, a lot of other states and certainly better than Roe against Wade. McMaster said he may even call lawmakers back to Columbia to take up stricter abortion measures following the court's decision if nothing gets added to the budget or is passed before signing die next week. As for the state's current fetal heartbeat ban bill, which outlaws abortion as early as six weeks, the governor said that would take effect depending on the court and the final ruling on Roe by the Supreme Court. That, that would depend on what the court says, the way it structures it, its opinion. I would, I would think yes, but we'll, we'll have to see exactly what the opinion says. Because remember, this, this draft, I, I think the news report was from back in February, and, and typically it does, they do circulate among the justices and they have have conferences, so something could change or something might not change. But once that decision is, is issued, then we will know exactly what it is necessary for us to do here in South Carolina. Senator Lindsey Graham said he'd support exceptions for rape, incest, and life of the mother, contrary to McMaster. 
Graham was in Spartanburg when he made the comments ahead of former Vice President Mike Pence's keynote address before some 1,200 people at the Carolina Pregnancy Center's Spring Gala. Before Pence took to the stage, he spoke with reporters after touring the CPC's new mobile ultrasound unit. It is uh, good to be in South Carolina today. Uh, and uh, it, of course, is a momentous week in the cause of the right to life. Uh, this week, uh, a draft majority opinion was leaked in the Supreme Court of the United States uh, that, uh, that we may well be in a place where five justices of the Supreme Court are poised to overturn Roe versus Wade and give the American people a fresh start on life by returning the question of abortion to the states and to the American people. And tonight, here at the Carolina Pregnancy Center, we're going to celebrate the fact that now for decades in this state, the compassion and care and generosity of the people of this community and across the state have been coming alongside women facing crisis pregnancy centers. And, uh, and, and that, to me, is the answer in this moment. My hope is that the Supreme Court will send Roe versus Wade to the ash heap of history, but I am confident that should that day come, that the compassion of the people of the pro-life movement will inspire the nation just as much as the Carolina Pregnancy Center has been inspiring people all across this state uh, for generations. And at the end there, I'm sorry for that weird sound. That was a Penn staffer who moved the makeshift podium right when he was talking. Please don't do that, folks. And just so you know, a Politico morning consult poll released Wednesday found that 50% of voters believe the landmark case that guarantees abortion access should not be overturned, while 28% said it should be. And for our politics and medical section, Governor McMaster was briefly sedated last week for an outpatient procedure following the discovery of an out-of-sync heartbeat known as atrial fibrillation, or AFib for those in the know. That was discovered before a scheduled knee surgery. McMaster, who was 74, suffered a slight meniscus tear while playing tennis with the First Lady recently. Under the Constitution, Lieutenant Governor Pam Evett was briefly in charge of the state for about five to ten minutes. The Russ McKinney closed out the press conference with the governor this week by asking him how he was doing. I feel great. You're referring to my knee. Well, I tell you what, anybody that arrives, you know, Peggy stomped me on the tennis court out there and if anybody heard of meniscus, you know what that is? You know what that is? You had surgery on yours? No. I'll arrange that you have. Well, I showed up at the hospital at 5.30 in the morning. There were more white coats and scrub suits around. And uh, we decided to put that surgery off. But you fairly fine followed Yeah. Well, I, I, we didn't have the, no, didn't have the, Oh, yeah. Well, heart, my heart was beating pretty fast. And I, again, I would say anybody that goes into a hospital under those circumstances and doesn't uh, have their heart going a little faster than usual, it's kind of like going into a courtroom if you're not a lawyer. It's, uh, it's a pretty frightening experience. Thank you guys. But yes, I feel fine. And, and thank you. For, and we're going to have uh, go take another look at my knee in about a month and fix it then. Now, I would love to watch and give a play-by-play of a McMaster family tennis match. We have the headset microphones for it. They debuted at the Sumter Live taping, so we have them once he gets his meniscus fixed. And on the way out, a look ahead. Next week is the final week of the two-year legislative session, which adjourns sunny die at 5 p.m. Thursday. 
Anything not in a conference committee or specified in the sine die resolution will be dead. It will need to be filed again when lawmakers return in January. And stay tuned for next Tuesday's podcast, where I will recap the 7th Congressional District Republican debate that took place in Florence on May 5th. Let's start off the business section with what the Federal Reserve Bank is doing to tamp down inflation, which is running at 8.5%, the highest level since 1981. Oof, everyone wants the 80s to be back. Here they are, folks. The big news was another interest rate increase of half a percent to the federal funds rate. Here's Chairman Jerome Powell's press conference following the Federal Open Market Committee meeting this week. Inflation is much too high, and we understand the hardship it is causing, and we're moving expeditiously to bring it back down. We have both the tools we need and the resolve that it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. The economy and the country have been through a lot over the past two years and have proved resilient. It is essential that we bring inflation down if we are to have a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. From the standpoint of our congressional mandate to promote maximum employment and price stability, the current picture is plain to see. The labor market is extremely tight and inflation is much too high. Against this backdrop, today the FOMC raised its policy interest rate by a half percentage point and anticipates that ongoing increases in the target rate for the federal funds rate will be appropriate. In addition, we are beginning the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. We've been hearing from others on this show, like USC's research economist Dr. Joey Von Nessen, about how economic fundamentals in the state and nation are still very strong, especially after a robust year last year. Now, we did previously talk about the dip in the first quarter GDP, that's the first three months of this year, but here's what Powell had to say about that. After expanding at a robust 5.5% pace last year, overall economic activity edged down in the first quarter. Underlying momentum remains strong, however, as the decline largely reflected swings in inventories and net exports, two volatile categories whose movements last quarter likely carry little signal for future growth. Indeed, household spending and business fixed investment continued to expand briskly. The labor market has continued to strengthen and is extremely tight. Over the first three months of the year, employment rose by nearly 1.7 million jobs. In March, the unemployment rate hit a post-pandemic and near five-decade low of 3.6%. Improvements in labor market conditions have been widespread, including for workers at the lower end of the wage distribution, as well as for African Americans and Hispanics. Labor demand is very strong, and while labor force participation has increased somewhat, labor supply remains subdued. Employers are having difficulties filling job openings, and wages are rising at the fastest pace in many years. And like Chair Powell said, it's a tight labor market out there, folks. Oh, you don't believe him? You don't don't believe me? Huh? Huh? Well, how about some data? Huh? Data. Hmm? You don't believe data? Data. Then turn this podcast off right now. You're going to sit in silence. You're just, you're interrupting this whole class. I mean, show. Sorry, just had a little flashback to childhood. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that jobs data I was talking about, yes, that came out Friday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which reported that the American economy added 428,000 jobs in the month of April, and the unemployment rate remained unchanged at 3.6%. The economy averaged more than half a million new jobs per month in 2022. Little tidbit right there. 
U.S. Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh said in a statement that 95% of the jobs lost to the pandemic are now recovered. Insured unemployment is at a historically low level, and labor market disruptions due to COVID-19 are at all-time lows. This is good news for America's working families. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic, and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us what's going on. It's May. You've got to call us and tell us what's going on in May, May folks. May the 6th be with you May guys. May the 6th be with you. <laughs> 7th, 8th, like. Whatever. 31st. You know what? Whatever. May the 31st be with you. You know what, bud? Just, you just go go ahead and move on. <laughs> uh, tell us. Tell us how you're celebrating May. Did you do anything for Cinco de Mayo? Mm. Let us know. 803-563-7169. I will tell you, I did not go to my friend Maya's birthday in Puerto Rico this week, mm-hmm. just so I could be here, folks. Okay. that's has that's... nothing to do with controlling my spending or being the end of session. I said no. No more vacations until yeah, because those I two give th- these those first this. two things don't mean anything to you, right? No, <laughs> nothing. But this podcast, this, this, this is what it's about. Yeah, because I don't think I could have done this from Puerto Rico. They would have been like, "No, sir, please, no podcast in this in this state, country, yeah. territory." It's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good down here for pods. Okay, yeah. you hear that all the time. But leave us a message. Let us know where you're listening to the pod right now. That's what I want to know. That's a prompt for you people out there listening. Prompt. Prompt. And be prompt by calling 803-563-769. Ooh, what a good job. What a pro you are. Really good job. Anyway, Gavin, we do have a call. Oh. I'm not even going to wait for you to ask me. We do have a call. <laughs> can you prompt me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you go ahead and ask me that question, please? <laughs> Terrific. Okay. Yeah. We have a call. Uh, it's it's an old friend. Okay. It's a welcomed voice that uh, of, of a loved caller that he just, he always knows when to call us. Okay. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, this is our last voicemail. So. <laughs> Who is it? It's Ben Davis. Ah. So let's get to it, okay? Yes. Hey, this is Ben up in Greenville. Really enjoyed uh, your show uh, from Sumter. And I had some questions. I just, one of my favorite parts of it was the questions you took. And uh, here's here's three questions, burning questions from Ben in Greenville. Number one, how did we do in South Carolina managing the pandemic? Uh, and thinking about that on three fronts, uh, the health, public health perspective, the economics perspective, and the politics perspective. Uh, secondly, um, burning question, back in 2019, you guys did a lot of reporting about education and how that was going to be a major issue going into this term and uh, for the South Carolina legislature. And that didn't really materialize, and I'm wondering what happened. Uh, and I can imagine some of the answers, but like your expertise on it. And then thirdly, and probably most importantly, the campaign sound effect. Uh, if I recall, there used to be kind of like a whip sound associated with the campaign trail. And, uh, the, the kind of growl sound had to do with that Rock Hill, uh, expansion for the Panthers and, uh, which has also uh, been in the news recently. So I, I, I need an explanation. Thank you so much. Appreciate what you guys do. Ben, always good to hear from you, sir. You always know when to call right when we need you, and we appreciate that. I was just up in the upstate, too. I was not in hashtag yet at Greenville. I was up in Spartanburg, Hub City, which I don't know much about what that, that means uh, as a bad South Carolinian. So if someone knows about the 
Hub City. I know Russ McKinney's from Spartanburg. He, I could probably just ask him, but I want someone from Spartanburg. Make to him call. call. Make him call. And yeah. tell me. That's, like, that's another prompt. You call me. That's a second prompt. That's a second prompt. Yeah. That's two now. Mm-hmm. Two for the price of none. Sharp-eared okay. listeners would note. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Gavin, you got yeah. some answers. So, maybe. Ben, I have some. Uh, thank you for listening to the, the Sumter taping. That was fun. And we did include that instead of the wind down because they were interesting questions. I'm I had a great wind down planned, but I'm just going to say the questions were more important. <laughs> <laughs> you asked how we did managing the pandemic. That's I, I think that's really just in the eye of the beholder on that one. Yeah. I mean, if you look at how many people died in South Carolina and, and use that as a guide, 17,847 people have died to date. I don't know if that's a good number or a bad number over the past two plus years. Our vaccination rate, if you want to look at that, is only, what, 54.6%. So it's really, at this point, I mean, I think it's always been up to the people. It's, you it's, know, it's always been your decision. That's what the governor always stressed in the beginning. It's individual rights, you know, opening up, transitioning. I mean, you could say the economy withstood a lot of the jolts that we experienced, whereas other states had some difficulties. But at what cost? I mean, that's all still very fluid. So I think it just depends on how you view uh, how how we did things here? I, I think it's a real Rorschach test. I mean, yeah. it, it's 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 how you perceive it and how you look at and, it. And yeah, and if any, it, we all had the ability to stay as safe as we wanted, and we could also be as risky as we wanted to at the same time. So that was always uh, available to you. So maybe that's another prompt. Let us know how you think yeah. the whole pandemic. Third I mean, prompt. Join. That's three prompts. Year three, yeah. That's three. Um, also, Ben, you asked about education. I know there's some some moves and some uh, debate on bills dealing with school board changes. And how uh, like some troubled school board uh, trustees could be moved around, could be uh, kicked out by the governor. A lot of different changes with some authority and oversight there in schools and districts. So um, I don't have a full rundown for you on everything education-wise that passed this year. We'll do that when all the dust settles from Sunny Die. But I do know a big thing also was that lawmakers were trying to put a lot of stuff in the budget, you know, SROs, mental health counselors, and of course, teacher pay raises. That's been a big push really just to get and keep those those teachers in the classroom. So uh, we'll get a final number on that when the budget gets finalized uh, the next month or so. And then just we'll do a recap for you. There's going to be a education. lot of clarity once yeah. Sine Die comes and that budget gets uh, done. Yeah. Because it's really all speculation until that final yeah, you have the bell House rings. doing it, then the Senate messed, exactly. everything, well, messed everything up, depending if you're in the House. You know, that's how they see it. Changed back and it. forth. It's been changed. So they need to hash out their details. A lot of hashing going on. And then we were talking about the whip crack from the campaign trail way back in the day. Oh, so long uh, ago. Remember the days. I was. I was looking back right before we did the Sumter taping to mm-hmm. try and find the script for my little spiel before we start. And I was like, oh my God, we used to have all four sections and now yep. things have just it's so, turned around. Uh, well, so. well, we've, we've changed. changed. We've, we've changed. changed. We've I changed. Own, so it used to be a whip crack because we, we had this Oregon Trail sort of deal. Campaign Trail, Oregon so Trail, Millennials. I, I had I had a Indiana Jones whip crack. And when we were in Charlotte, we did use the Panther because that was just rock rock thrill, you yeah. know, rock chill. Yeah. And and now it's more of a it's the, the Dean, Dean scream. The, the Howard Dean scream. If if we have any aged millennials <laughs> Listening to this, everyone remembers Howard Dean's scream. Yeah. He went, Byah! 2004. And cost um, him uh, his it, entire campaign. It, he, he was the <laughs> front runner. He was going to be the president of the United States, and he screamed in such a way that he lost it all. And, and then I we're going to Washington. Yeah! 
<laughs> Everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So now it's Dean Scream, and yeah. I, it'll be that for a little while until I find something else that, that I think is fun. Yeah, we can't find a sound for Obama's tan suit, but that would probably be next. <laughs> yeah, that would be next. Exactly right. Moral of the story, don't be yourself, folks. Yes. Uh, hide that at all costs. <laughs> what, what, we're, what Gavin and I are doing right now is very dangerous. Assimilation, okay, <laughs> yes. is key here. <laughs> But thank you again, Ben, for calling. And A.T., yes. uh, transitioning into our little back-and-forth moment yes, here. the repartee. I'm hesitant to even bring this up because yes. I don't know if our sharp-eared listeners could hear this in my voice throughout the podcast, but I've been under duress this entire taping. Oh, yeah. Because we had to tape an hour earlier. Yes, and I'm, you forced I, me to. Do I that. apologize for that. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> wife and I, Caitlin and I, we're going. We're going away this weekend. Yes, and I, I put the absolute. I asked the most of Gavin. <laughs> I, I, I asked mean, him to why, record. Why do you think we have a medical section? <laughs> record one hour earlier. <laughs> oh. And so stop uh, re-traumatizing. Yeah, me, okay? I mean he's just reliving it over and over again. Well, that's good that you're gonna have a nice little vacation because what the week before. It weekend was a lot. before, you guys yes. were doing doing some work. Uh, so weekends, Caitlin normally lets me choose the sort of the stuff we do as a couple: go out, have Love fun, this. go relationships, go, go find compromise. Uh, but on its last Sunday, I was like, okay. Caitlin, we can do whatever you'd like. Mm. And that means we worked all day. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, no more, no more option. <laughs> and so when, when like, you know, normally, if you, we wanted, we've been talking about rearranging certain things in the house mm-hmm. because we got the new couch and that got our, our rearranging juices flowing, you know? And so normally we'll, you'll piecemeal this out over long periods of time, not the Shires. Mm-hmm. We went in there, we're like a bull in a china shop. And we rearranged our home. You, yeah, well, I mean, you had a list. I mean, everyone adds on to the list, right? Yes. Oh, we're going to get to the list soon. We're all on uh, the list. We got And the, then that Sunday. We handled it. It was, it was chore day. And we just did a lot in one day. I mean, we moved, uh, we moved four, like four mattresses. We moved <sighs> rugs. We, we threw out chairs. We got new chairs. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. You feel good though, right? I don't feel much different <laughs> either way. Caitlin was like- The accomplishment though. There she, has to be a high there. She was pretty pleased. We hung, I think we hung 10 <laughs> pictures and That's paintings. Good. I mean, wow. Everyone has a pile of stuff that they need to put on the wall. And she, we put it all on the wall. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a lot of work. I can't say that it was my ideal day, but uh, if you know Caitlin, if you mm-hmm. ever meet Caitlin, and you talk to her for ten minutes, you're like, okay, yeah, uh, she is mission oriented. Yes, and and so she had a list, <laughs> and we got a lot of it done. It was a lot, but yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully our listeners. Uh, you know, this drops on Saturday, and maybe they're listening over the weekend. They'll they'll be inspired by what you Oof. all have done, and they'll be like, "Today, babe, we're doing the list." It's so it was a lot. And I can't I can't say I that I asked. Me, I think you asked me a couple weeks months ago about the joys of bachelorhood. And yes. I think I can do my list whenever I want to do the list. <laughs> it can accumulate. It doesn't have to be addressed, except maybe when people come over. Then it's like, oh god, <laughs> everything everything needs to happen right now. Yeah, that's how I address my list. I uh, also just. <laughs> Real quick before we go, I do want to say, so like I had that huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. You have your own hu- huge undertaking you're what? doing at your home to eat through your home. Oh, yes. I'm eating through my home. What am I doing? Yes. He's he's not buying. I'm on a new diet. His new diet is <laughs> no buying any groceries. Just until, eat everything. Until we're done with everything. <laughs> so I feel like that is is just as heavy lifting as my oh, yeah. physical lifting. I mean, because uh, I did buy a 20-pound bag of rice during mm. the throes smart. of the pandemic. That's just smart. And uh, we're still working through it. Mm-hmm. Right now we're on a mission. So I've, I've been really exploring rice and beans. Yes. Uh, which I'm getting a little desensitized to. 
uh, morally, physically, emotionally. It truly is feed at yeah. this point. <laughs> so I'm back to, to my point. I'm back to my roots. Yes, but I'm running out of food. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to go grocery shopping probably this weekend. That's on my list. Okay, here we go. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, uh, last thing on your list here, Gavin. Say yeah, goodbye. Check, oh, Say goodbye. Okay. To oh, I got to scratch okay, that off my scratch list. Scratch that off. Goodbye, folks. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging in there. Let us know what's on your list. I know one thing that's on your list. Call us. You got to call. Okay? 803-563-7169. It's probably been on your list for weeks now. Be like the Shires. Be like Ben. Give us a call. Knock things out on that list. You'll be happy you did. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Oh my God, you guys hear about the storm? Oh my God. Get home. Be safe. Kiss the kids. Get, get, get on home. Get on home. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I'm glad, times like these, I'm glad we're in two separate rooms.